You're listening to All About Property Sourcing with Paul Rose, brought to you by the Sourced Property Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Sourced Property Podcast and All About Property Sourcing. I'm Paul Rose, and today's podcast is about commonly asked questions from people considering becoming a property sourcer. Many people want to be a property sourcer these days. You know, it's not uncommon as it can be a very profitable business and also give you the flexibility day to day, unlike a nine to five job. But what does that actually look like? Can you do this around a day job to start with? And can you earn enough to quit the dreaded day job? And how long will it take to achieve These are all common questions from people looking to start property sourcing as a business. So in this podcast, I'd like to discuss the answers to these questions. And let's kick this off with, can you be a property sourcer whilst holding down a day job? The simple answer is yes. You know, if you have a day job, your main concern will no doubt be time and your perceived lack of time. So with a lack of time, what can you do? Well, I would say you do have time. And if you really analyze your working week and what your week looks like at the moment, then I think you'll be surprised about how much time you actually really do have. So let's take a look at an average day. We've all got 24 hours in a day. That is a given. No more, no less, no matter who you are, 24 hours. And of those 24 hours, you'll have, let's say, eight hours at work. So let's assume you have also a one hour commute So eight hours at work with a one hour commute. And let's also allow eight hours for sleeping because we all need that. Um, This would, I'm sure you'd agree, be a standard day, you know, give or take. So eight hours at work, a one hour commute, and let's say eight hours for sleeping. So this leaves you with seven hours spare. Now, I can already hear people saying, you know, seven hours spare. I don't have seven hours spare in a day. Where does these, where do these seven hours come from? So, you know, seven whole hours, this is almost another working day when you think about it. So, you know, it does sound a little bit crazy, but let's allow for some other factors. We've got the eight hours at work. We've got the one hour commute and we've allowed eight hours for sleeping. So that's a good night's sleep. So some of the factors, let's take away another hour for eating meals. Let's take away an hour for family time or socialising with friends. Let's also take away another hour just for pure, unadulterated relaxation. A bit of you time, just doing absolutely nothing at all. So what have we got left now? Well, you would still have four hours. And you may be thinking, you know what, I never have four hours left in a day, just spare. But I bet you do have plenty of spare time. You know, you ask most people, what did you watch last night? And most people will reel off a list of TV programs or tell you that they binge watch the latest favourite box set on Netflix or Sky. What you choose to do with your available time is entirely up to you. It's your choice. And it's just about using that time wisely and having a clear definition of what you will actually do in your spare time. Focus is absolutely key if you are looking at sourcing part-time around a day job. So it's just about making different choices. You know, instead of binge watching the latest box set, watching two or three hours of Game of Thrones, sit there and source and put some time aside. It's just your choice. So the next question is, can you earn enough to quit the day job? This is probably the most common question that I hear from time to time. And you see people um, talking about this quite often on Facebook groups. And again, the simple answer is yes. You know, to quit the day job, effectively what you'll need is to replace your income or at least have enough money to sustain you for a period of time and have the confidence yourself that you can build that pot some more before it actually runs out. So to achieve, achieve this, you will need to pick a strategy that can help you achieve it. 
on which option you choose is going to depend on your own situation in many ways. You know, how much money do you have? Do you have any money at the moment set aside? A little nest egg. And what are your goals in terms of how quickly do you want to quit the day job? There are many options, but the best options when starting out are deal packaging and trading. This will give you small to medium lump sums of income. It doesn't require any money to start doing that. It's just about knowledge and applying that knowledge and taking some action. That's probably the best route most cost effective route because it will cost you virtually nothing another option you've got is rent to rent as a strategy this will mean some initial outlay in the setup of the rent to rent but monthly income income once tenanted so you're going to generate that income each month and then thirdly uh, probably flips but again this will mean access to funding to buy the property to add the value and carry out any works before generating the actual profit or being well with the resale the inflated price so those are the three main options i think that you have really starting part-time now i would say that these three strategies are the best ways to start dependent on what cash you have available so if you have no cash you're best off starting deal packaging and trading to generate those little lump sums of income that can in turn help you to jump into other things such as rent to rent or maybe even carrying out your first flip now, when talking rent to rent, you know, this is a strategy that is commonly touted as passive income. Now, passive income, for me at least, would be something you do that you achieve from doing very, very little. Now, rent to rent, in my experience, is not really a strategy that gives you 100% passive income because you do have to invest, you know, a certain level of, of time, especially in setting up a rent to rent. Uh, you know, and even when tenanted, you've got tenants to manage, unless, of course, you do outsource that as well. So, you know, obviously rent to rent, you'll need a good understanding of legislations, effective multilets, etc. And you'll need to have really good negotiation skills and, and, you know, a good grasp of the rent to rent model. And typically, as I said, a rent to rent will have some setup fees. It can be anything from 3000 to 10000 depending on what the rent to rent opportunity is and, of course, its size. And there will be income once you tenant the property and then, you know, you've got the rental income coming in. However, how long will it take to break even on the initial spend? So you may spend £10,000 setting up a rent to rent and then it may take a whole year to get that back in income before you actually start generating get a profit on what you've invested. So, you know, you do need to you do need to consider that and obviously the term of the rent to rent as well and the overall profit. So, you know, these are factors you need to consider and rent to rent is not something that suits everybody. You have to be, you know, a people person, good at negotiating. It is quite intensive, at least in the the early stage of setting up the rent event. Next up, we've got flips. So by flip, I mean something you could add value to and sell on and generate a good profit. Now, if I was packaging a flip for an investor, I would want to offer a minimum profit of around 20%. So, you know, if you're doing a flip yourself, I would aim to be generating a minimum profit margin of 20%. You know, that should always be your goal too with flips. An important thing to remember is that a refurb could take you a number of months, depending on its scale and size and the fact that you'll have to fund it as well. So you do need to think about access to funds. If you've got money sat there doing nothing, then fantastic because it enables you to jump in and do flips. Obviously, the generated profit from a flip is at the end of the process. So again, that's a, a, a time thing. How quickly you can achieve money is very different depending on whether you're doing flips, whether you look at rent to rent or whether you're looking at uh, deal packaging and trading those onto investors. So flips, the strategy really suits people who've, who've access to some funds. So the next question is how long will it take to generate an income from sourcing? 
this is actually a very common question. It really depends on so many different factors, such as which strategy you use, how much money you have access to, how much time you have to put into sourcing, and also how effective you can be sourcing, and also building relationships with agents, vendors, and most importantly, building relationships with investors. I always say finding property is easy. It's everywhere. It's everywhere you look. The hard part is always finding the investor or the buyer and having that trust and relationship that they buy from you instead of going elsewhere. It really is a people business. It's not really about property. The old saying, people buy from people. And it's so, so true. The quickest route to money is by far, if you have no funds when starting out, is deal packaging and trading those deals onto investors. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, right, I want to be a property sourcer, but I just don't have any available funds, then really your only option is to package up deals and trade them onto investors. And it's a fantastic strategy. You know, the sales process is typically three months for most properties, what with searches, surveys and solicitors. You know, this all takes time. It's a process. So it's vital to build a pipeline of deals and also have good relationships with investors to move them on. Remember, you don't get your fee for packaging until the property exchanges or completes. So the money always comes at the end of the deal, in most cases at least anyway. So it's important to factor that in. And like I said, the sales process is typically around about three months, some a little bit quicker, some a little bit longer. You need to be thinking about that. If you do have a small pot of cash already and if rent to rent as a strategy uh, appeals to yourself, then, you know, it will generate cash flow relatively quickly once the multi-let is set up. You know, and you can generate a monthly profit of a couple of thousand pounds from one or two rent to rents. And I'd say, obviously, this is area specific, but you should be aiming for a minimum of a thousand pound profit per rent to rent as a minimum. So if you can access funds or you have funds for the initial setup, then this could be a great option for you. Just remember, it can take time once you've got the property set up to tenant the property and get some cash coming in. And, um, you know, key is always tenant demand in the area. It's so important. If you've got an area that's saturated with HMOs, multi-lets, and there's, there's, there's more rooms than people looking, then you, do you know what? Look at another area. That is not your gold mine area. Tenant demand is key. So you need to be checking these things out prior to sourcing your potential rent rent properties. There is a bit of a niche out there to be had. You know, the high-end professional multi-lets are very popular with tenants. There's a reason for that, and that's because they're not in abundance in most areas. Check your competition on spare room. Look at the quality of the rooms available in your area. You know, what sort of quality are they? Are they just a bit of a grotty roomlet, or, you know, is it like a family home roomlet, or is it high-end, your white gloss kitchen, your nice flooring, Netflix on the TV, things like that, nice furnishings. It stands out a mile, you know, and you'll see from going on spare room, you look at the quality in your area. So top tips at the end of the podcast, as we're wrapping this up now, is top tips number one, set aside time. You know, you do have time. It's just about making different choices with the time you have available. So set aside time just for sourcing. Number two is have a clear Define strategy and focus only on this. Focus is, is so key, especially when time is of the essence. Time is limited. You need that focus. Otherwise, you can quite easily find yourself going nowhere very, very quickly. And number three 
is build relationships. You will need a power team. And we're not just talking building relationships with investors. We're talking about, you know, build relationships with solicitors who understand the strategies that you're using. Build relationships with architects, with surveyors, with local planning office, the local council. You need these relationships in place because you will need these people over time. Number four is spend as much time talking to investors as you do sourcing. Now, people often say, what does your working day look like as a sourcer? Now, many people approach it from various different angles. And I think the best way for me is divide my time up. So I will have a set day for sourcing property. Now, the next day I'll be going out, out and about in my area, speaking to agents, building relationships, seeing what's out there, going on viewings. And then I'll have another day of following up on viewings and things like that. And then I'll have a day set aside for networking, talking to investors, um, letting them know what's going on in the local market, letting as many people know what it is that you're doing and what you can offer them as a service, really, as a sourcer. Number five is, like I said before, property sourcing is not about property as much as you may think it is. You know, it is all about relationships and people do. They really do buy from people and people want to do business with people they trust and like. And that takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. Finding, you know, investors that you can nurture that relationship with, you can really understand their goals and what they're looking to achieve and you can help them achieve it. That takes time, you know, to work on those relationships because they're key to your success. You can source property all day long, but if you can't sell the property, you haven't got a business, essentially. So they're the top tips. The next podcast, I'm going to be discussing in a little bit more detail. We touched upon it in today's podcast, but I'm going to be discussing who should be in your local power team. So look out for that coming soon. Until then, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you haven't already, then please do subscribe to the podcast and share some love. Until next time, take care now. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Sourced Property Podcast. Visit sourced.co for free training videos and blogs. 